This is the Sean Kelly on Movies podcast. Thoughts and commentary on the world of film from an Aspergian perspective. A production of SKOnMovies.com. Hello and welcome to the Sean Kelly on Movies podcast and uh, this is my first of uh, two episodes uh, featuring interviews I did at the uh, Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal. So the uh, first interview I have for you is with the uh, cast and crew of the film 1BR which had its uh, world premiere at the uh, festival. I got to talk with uh, 1BR's director David Marmer as well as pretty much the entire cast and crew of the film and it was a very uh, interesting yet laid-back conversation and I should probably note uh, beforehand that the interview does uh, get a bit into some of the more specific plot details of uh, 1BR which is a film that I believe is best seen knowing as little about what's happening as possible. But if you have seen the films, uh, enjoy the interview, and uh, I'll talk to you afterwards. Okay, so I guess I'll start. That was a beer. (laughs) 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 So, uh, I guess I'll maybe start with everyone introducing. Sure. Uh, Shane, producer. Uh, Hello, Commissioner, producer. Runan Landa, composer. Taylor Nichols, actor. Jaws Matty, actor. Nicole Bryden Bloom, actress. David Marmer, writer director. Naomi Grossman, actress. Celeste Sully, actress. Clayton Hoff, actor. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, for the director, so um, uh, how did you um, get the idea for um, One Beyond? Uh, it was largely autobiographical, actually, um, <laughs> which will sound a little weird given what happens in the movie, but. Uh, you know, I had moved to Los Angeles very young and not knowing anyone, and I, I wound up in an apartment complex that, that is quite similar, actually, to the one that's portrayed in the movie. Um, and, you know, I went through a lot of, a long period of feeling very isolated, very alienated, um, and uh, it sort of got my, my wheels turning, um, you know, as you're walking around these breezeways and waving to people names you've never found out um and uh i think that naturally sort of led me to to start to to wonder what was going on in in the rest of this complex you know where you're living so close to all these people who are complete strangers um and that was that was really the seed of it for me okay so uh anyone can chime in for these questions so um uh a theme uh, within the uh film is essentially community versus like the self so um what would you um say are the uh, motives of uh jerry and the others throughout the film and do you think they consider themselves to be good people yes absolutely <laughs> i mean i really do think so i really think that that's kind of what jerry you know I, I, i'm so glad that the questions are focusing more on the cult because i've always seen the movie a little bit like get out but rather than about racism as the backdrop it's 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 um, Scientology are, are cults as the background and I think people that are in those really believe that they are for the best whether it's Scientology or um, um, Synanon or, or whatever it is um, and the movie could have easily gone the other direction 
and been more of a torture porn movie. And uh, it's not. It's a it's a it's a cult movie, and I think it's driven by people who think they're doing the right thing. Uh, so, um, was like uh, L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology an influence on the like cultish aspects of the film? I mean, it's hard living in L. A. for Scientology not to be a part of your your world in some way. It's it's a very major presence in in Hollywood. Um, but uh, a, a more direct influence on sort of the structure of this community and some of the particulars of it was a group called Synanon um, that existed in the, the 60s and 70s um, and, and began with very, very lofty aims. It, it, it was basically a, um, it was like a drug rehab organization. It was trying to help people and get them out of um, addiction. Um, and, you know, it. So as, as Taylor was saying, like it, the, the motives were very pure. The, these were people who had, you know, who were, who were trying to do good in the world. Um, but it's very easy for something like that to kind of, kind of tip over into something dark. And that's what happened with, with Synanon um, in a very major way. And, um, you know, I think that's a little bit what, what has happened with this, this group. The, the other sort of major influence for me was just um, the science of behaviorism. Um, which is a major part of the, the sort of ethos of the, of the community. And um, there, there's something to me about this kind of like attempt to scienceify human nature and, and feel like there's a way to kind of perfect human nature through psychology, um, which uh, I just found like an interesting element. And you're sort of seeing when we come into the community, it's, it's decades into it, right? And uh, it's all kind of like soured in some way. Usually, like power. It's like usually, like lots of times, like you know, we have a tendency of viewing cults as something really bad. But lots of times, like the root is something where they are trying to like create something that they can put out into the community to help it flourish. But yeah, I would usually, just, always. yeah, you yeah. just takes like one dose of someone getting a little glimpse of power and like, hmm, I like this better, and then that just kind of creates this domino effect of you know just like the sourness. And, and love, I think, core values to which we all ascribe to and we want and we aspire to yeah. is, is is just messages of we can all universally understand. Like, I watched a documentary called Holy Hell, which I'm sure a lot of you have seen, and it's all based on love, but it's just that 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 love gets twisted. And um, But they still believe they're in the right. Yeah. Okay, so I think I'll focus this next question a bit on Nicole. So, um, um, so it, it's kind of established early on that... Um, Sarah's like a person who's like suffering from anxiety and issues with her father and such. So, um, what would you say is um, Sarah's um, headspace at the start of the film, and how do you believe she evolves as a person through her experience? Sure. Um, I mean, I don't think she starts with you know daisies and roses. <laughs> She's clearly been through um, a bit of a traumatic experience pre-cult um, <laughs> that life can just throw at you. So. Um, yeah, she's a she's a bit of a of a perhaps damaged person, you know, who isn't to some extent, and she's trying to trying to deal with that. And then I think uh, she goes through a lot of changes. Um, it's very confusing, you know, the cult that she's indoctrinated into um, in a pretty horrific way initially appears quite horrendous and, and awful, and you can't see the. The potential good, but then I think I think there are flickers where where the the love and the community.
community is appealing to her, and um, that's sort of a question that that David and I had to talk through, and that he really helped me with in figuring out, you know, where where is she in this headspace? Um, certainly, by the end of it, I think she's discovered her own strength, which is super important. Unfortunately, it was through a really <laughs> difficult, um, not usual way of <laughs> some type of therapy, but. Um, but yeah, I like to think that she she ended a lot stronger than, than she began. So I would say that the um, film, particularly in the first act, kind of plays a bit of um, viewer expectations. So like um, specifically the two characters of um, Brian and Lester. So since you, you, you automatically make assumptions about one and the other and then they turn out to be not at all like that. So... Uh, how would you talk about the um, structure of the film and the um, progression of these um, characters? Well, uh, Giles and Clayton could probably speak to the progressions of their characters. Um, uh, you know, uh, Lester uh, is just this guy who's dealing with grief with the loss of his wife. Um, and his indoctrination into this group was a, a very tough one as well. He was a fighter and... and he finds peace in it, and he finds, uh, you know, happiness. And uh, with the death of his wife, uh, it really just upends his life. And uh, seeing Sarah and choosing her, actually choosing her to bring her into this, you know, I don't, don't want to say too much to give away the end. Um, you know, it's just just a guy who's wrestling with his sadness and his grief and trying to find his happiness. Um. And speaking uh, the role of Brian, I think I, I think it's a very similar kind of thing. I think it's up to the actor to develop however they will that backstory of the character, and I think that's just as important as what you see in the film. Um, how did your character get to that point? And um, so I had a you know an idea. You know, he does allude to uh, Iraq, um, and uh, but what you see is the fundamental message of community and love and acceptance and being a part of something that is truly great and truly the way and in a very loving way um, but uh, yeah I think how he went there is kind of the actor's choice and I can't really remember now so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know I we were talking earlier uh, about how the movie was shot I think right at the beginning of the Me Too movement and now it's coming out a year and a half or so after that has been going on. And I think, it, kudos to David, and I think it's, it's, it's relevant in your character, uh, Clayton, um, uh, the movie stays true to these people and doesn't just go down this black hole of sexism or, or uh, uh, Dave, you can answer the question better. You know, better than I, but I just feel like you do such a good job as the writer-director keeping the movie above that that bar, and it could have easily gone the other way after mm -hmm. the Me, Me Too movement What's came out. Mean? Well, I mean, it could have been uh, uh, more of a, I don't want to say oh, point, I see it's not mean, a point yeah, movie yeah, yeah, by yeah. any means, but more of a torture yes. movie and more of a, a, a misogynistic mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. But well, the fact that Lester gives you the, the yeah. sewing yeah. machine rather than tries to bed you or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's we do get nice some movie. hot pussy in them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not without that. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a horror without that. <laughs> oh, I just got 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's some inciting incident. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so well, yeah, like so. Um, so I think I was mentioned. I think um, he mentioned like get out earlier, which um, I did think of while watching this. And I also uh, thought a little bit about um, you know the um, twenty tenth um, um, compliance. Yeah, I have to, I have to yes. Seen that one. Yeah. Well, just, I, well, I compared it. I compared it in how it's like a, a film that's like a difficult watch in parts. Mm. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. I, had to, I had to walk out of that screen. I saw that at Sundance when it when it yeah. uh, when it premiered. I don't know if it was the premiere screening or like one of the subsequent screenings at Sundance, but when it first played at Sundance, and I had to walk out of the theater and take a twenty minute break after that movie was like. But I think the good thing is it kind of like it shows you what things that really happen that we don't see. Like lots of times when things break, codes break. Like we just hear the kind of like the exterior, mm -hmm. you know, the filtered version of it. But that's what I love about the film is you're delving into like the psyche of like a cult, you know, like and then you do an amazing job of branching out into the you know personifying each character, giving their giving them their own you know fruit to bear from the tree, and I just. There definitely are some like gruesome parts, but it's also like it made me think like, wow, excuse my language, but this shit really happens, you know? And probably on an even more extreme level, like what you were saying, people getting going from like counsel to beat up, like that's yeah. crazy. Just how it could like flip, like yeah. I mean, it's it's always just sort of always been sort of fascinated with these <laughs> kind of utopian communities and uh, and seeing how they almost always seem to at some point turn bad in some way and. Um, but it was always like, what was always important to me was to humanize everybody involved. Like, I, I'm not a person who believes in good and evil particularly. I don't think there are, uh, unless there are people who are, you know, mentally ill in some way, I don't think there are people who are trying to be evil in the world. Um, I think everybody wants to be and, and believes they are the, the hero of, of their story. And so, seeing something that you know from the outside looks so grim and and awful and then trying to figure out well how do these people see themselves that was a, an important element and i think that's that that was helpful in sort of subverting expectations as you were talking about with like who you know who is who is a hero and who is a villain in, in the and i think also the uh, on that i think miss, miss stanhope everyone loves her mm -hmm. you know what i mean like do you would you regard her as some sort of twisted cult member no, but you know she's in a twisted cult, and she is a member. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have to wrap up. So I'll, I'll ask my last question. So, um, so involving the cult, there's actually you, the film does do a fair bit of um, world building and uh, talking about like the uh, well, I forgot the name of the cult leader. Oh, Ellery. Ellery. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then the, the uh, film actually hints that there's a, like a much larger world out there beyond this apartment complex. So. Uh, do you ever plan to like return to this world, or just leave the film like open ended? I mean, I think there, there, there's certainly more to the world, and there there would could be more to develop about this about the you know the the this community. Um, so I I don't think any of us are ruling it out. <laughs> okay, so I think that wrap, that's all my time. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
And that was my interview with the cast and crew of uh, 1BR, which I'll reiterate had its uh, world premiere at the 2019 Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal. So, uh, come back uh, later in the week uh, for my uh, second interview from Fantasia, and until then, I'll see you next time. The Sean Kelly on Movies podcast is hosted, recorded, and edited by Sean Kelly. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can find more details on that at skonmovies.com. The music is Out of the Fog from the website podsummit.com. You can support Sean Kelly on Movies on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash skonmovies. This has been a Sean Kelly on Movies production.